Hey, everybody. Um, welcome to another edition of Bill Roden on Sports, live from top the New York Times building on the very roof here in Manhattan with uh, the great Jamal Murphy. Good to be here. Got new digs today. Nice, nice. Today only. Today only. <laughs> <laughs> a little, little refreshing. We got the we got the cafeteria to ourselves, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wish people could see. Well, you saw a little bit. If you look at our little Facebook Live, you saw right kind of a glimpse of it. We're we're in Times Square. Yeah, we're overlooking. You know, it's really cute, man. You have a lot of stuff here. Looking forward to going downstairs and have a glass of wine at the ex- very expensive bar downstairs. <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, welcome to Bill Roden on Sports, another version. Man, really, really, very, very, uh, uh, very, uh, very busy. Uh, first thing I wanted to do is just Monday of the 11th, July 11th, man, I had a really, really, really nice event at Chocolate Restaurant in Harlem where we normally record our um, podcast. We had a celebration of the, the 10th anniversary of $40 million slaves. And we had a really, I mean, a nice turnout beyond I'm thinking like yeah great like turnout 10 people you know I, I kept turnout. saying man you're gonna have a lot of people you know man I don't know, 20 people right. but it was really really nice right I mean, it was like a lot of people there. Right. You, you packed the restaurant yeah. and you know it was for a great cause obviously 40 million dollar slaves 10th anniversary um and the book has definitely stood the test of time even if it's just that first 10 years but I, I don't see it I don't see it changing i think that book is gonna is gonna be a, a history book i mean the, 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 it's like the good news and the bad news right. i mean the, the the good news just from an author's standpoint is that you write a, a book that has this kind of enduring relevance and people are talking about the bad news however is that the condition that the book describes is kind of live and and well this whole idea of, you know we'll give you money but we're not giving you any power Right, and then the extent to which people are like cool with it. So you know what, you know, screw it. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll take the money, no power. And you know, I mean, this whole free agency thing, as we talked about, is it's, it's kind of like like that. You know, at the same time that we were talking about free agency and and and, and Durant getting this money and everybody uh, 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 waiting to hear what these young black guys were saying, other black guys not so fortunate were getting their brains blown out by the police right and it's just this dichotomy that um you, you've got these these black people who don't really matter to people unless you're an athlete right or an entertainer you're making money you're making money for some white person and not only are you making money for some white person but they had better be your agent they'd better have some kind of control over it you know right and the, and the people as a whole the fans as we call them they they only like you when you're really on the field or on the court, once or in you right. in their in their uniform. Right. That's once right. You, once you take that off, once you leave the court or the field, it's a whole different story. Yeah, whether, like, whether they, I don't think they continue to be your fans because they don't know. I mean, it's almost like you have to wear number twenty one, wear your wear your St. Louis Rams, well, now it's Los Angeles Rams jersey. Right. And when you leave in these exclusive, uh, these exclusive. Um, uh, neighborhoods, you got to wear like your jersey or your helmet or something like that, saying you know like no no no. I want any safe Negroes. I'm like number twenty one, you know. Right. I mean, so I mean, basic. So basically, the the book, like I said, stands the test of time. It it unfortunately 
will continue to. You could probably call it $150 million slaves right now based on what the NBA is doing. But, you know, there are people out there, I mean, many, many, many people, as we saw, who showed up to the event Mm -hmm. and people all over the place who are still tweeting the book, still reading the book. And that will unfortunately probably continue until we as a people get our act completely together. Not that we can do it on our own, unfortunately, but. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, uh, we talked about Carmelo Anthony and he made a statement. And I thought what the interesting thing about what he said, and I didn't really get a chance to touch on it uh, when I spoke. And by the way, I didn't, also didn't get any chance to introduce you. I mean, one of the, one of the, the, the <laughs> I dangers. Got caught, I got caught in the back, man. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's, it's good. But I wanted to introduce you because you do these really well, hey, I wanted to acknowledge your hard work on the podcast, but you do these great commercials for our podcast, you know, because our goal really, and I think that's the takeaway for our first from our first year of doing the uh, the podcast beginning in May of 2015, is that you got to market yourself, right? You got to market yourself, and I think that you know our goal is to get up to like 50,000 people listening to the podcast right. in a year. To do that, though, you really got to, A, you got to be, you know, have to have a good podcast, which I think we do. Right. Because uh, I'm like dialing, I'm listening on the radio, and um, I don't really hear, I guess the first reason we got into this first place, I said, damn, I'm, I'm listening to ESPN, I'm listening to this guy, and I'm not really hearing a perspective about African Americans in sport and beyond. Right. That really resonates. I mean, you can listen to, like, black shows, you know, but when you listen to a, a, a black sports show, and that's where a lot of our whole stuff is concentrated between basketball and football and all. We've got a lot of young black folks making a lot of money uh, being the cultural icons, global icons. And yet when people discuss it, I'm not really, sometimes it'll be a little touch on it here. I remember right. I, I was listening to something, serious radio, and some white, some a, a black caller called in. And he began going down a road about, you know, yeah, well, they only do it because he's – and the guy just shut him down. <laughs> he either shut him down or right. even, sometimes even if it's like a, a, a black co-host, they almost feel they got to say, give it a little lip service and then kind of how can we kind of transition out of this? Right. You know, very, it becomes very <laughs> awkward, very right. uncomfortable uh, when any, any kind of racial, racial issue comes up, which is, which is kind of weird when, you have, when you're talking about a league that's dominated by minorities and black right. – uh, males in, in particular, and I have the same. I have the same feeling. I was listening to a show a couple mornings ago, and they they were talking about Carmelo uh, and his and his stance. And you didn't really get the the black person's point of view. First of all, you you couldn't because there was two white guys, so you couldn't right. even, whatever. They that, do the best they can. You know, they do the best they can. But you know, they basically sometimes. I mean, right, sometimes, sometimes they don't even do the best. But they we can. Heard, but we heard. You know what I heard was right. basically I thought I was listening to Giuliani or something. So, oh boy, you know. yeah, that's the other thing. You'll they'll talk about. Well, yeah, what does he want? And and, and I, I guess when I'm listening to Carmelo, I, I think that uh, you know he talked about he basically called out called on guys to come out of hiding. Right. You know, don't be afraid of. It. But I thought what was very interesting, what transcends um, basketball, he called for unity. Right. He called for unity, and and I meant to talk about it. Um, I meant to talk about a Monday, but I think that's for you know my daughter who's twenty six or twenty twenty five six. Talking about well, what can we do? I think that that's that we have to really find as as African Americans, and who are now becoming we're global. I mean, not just African Americans, but the old diaspora. But particularly here in this country, we really have to find the new common denominator. What 
what binds us together. I mean, right. like we go from chalk to charcoal in terms of our skin color, our, our economic. We run the spectrum of economics, but that condition of blackness that 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 uh, you know that uh, resulted in guys getting shot by the police, and even beyond that. I mean, that's the dramatic part. But just the day to day hour-to-hour type of racism. It's funny, man. So so yesterday, I was coming up from the Times, uh, walking, you know, um, you know, a lot of stuff. I'm so I, I stopped by this uh, Italian restaurant uh, on Columbus Avenue, and I stopped, and a friend of mine was there. You know, I'd seen, uh, and she was eating with her family, a sister. You know, she was eating with her family. Hey, how you doing? And so at some point, she was going to the bar to get something, and, and this, like, white lady, two white ladies came in. They stopped her and said, oh, could you tell us um, where our seats are? You know, <laughs> and uh, she said, right. uh, she said, oh, no, I don't I don't work here. Oh, oh, she, right. oh well, you look like you do. You know, and she, so then finally, you know, and so I, I was just looking. I heard the whole exchange. So then my friend went back. Now, this woman is, like, sharp. She writes for S, uh, uh, black enterprise. I mean, she's sharp. Right. So, uh, I mean, that had nothing to do with whether, you know. So then she sat down, and then uh, the the woman, the, the, the white woman, I guess she saw her sit with her family and all that. And then she said, Oh, 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 I'm, I got it. I got it. Because she was, because she, I guess she was beginning to realize that she's fucked up. Right. And this is too, I'm sure she's perfectly nice. She probably marched with Dr. King. You know, that's what they always <laughs> tell you. I marched with Dr. King. Right. Or, you know, all of my clients are black. Or right. My husband, you know, I, you know, I right. this shit. And so, um, but so finally she, but what I was thinking is that now this woman was probably having, you know, she was with her family, having a nice time. She was just going to the bar and here you got right. to deal with this shit. And also, you got to process it. Like, okay, I'm not going off on this. I'm just going to right, deal right. with it and go, you know, go back. But I think sometimes, you know, our, our white friends. And I'm talking about. I'm talking about our friends. I ain't right. talking about the other people. I think that they think that we just because we don't really say stuff. Right. That'll be like 99 of the sh- of the day we spend not dealing with this. You know, I'm just not dealing with this shit. Right. This, right. And, you know, it's funny because we spend a lot of our time actually trying to do our white friends a favor. We don't want to we don't want to burden you with all the stuff that happens. Right. I mean, I'm sure you get right. you know, we don't want you to get tired of our of our story constantly. And of course, that plays that plays that that takes an effect on us, whether we know it or not. Right. Well, yeah. And that's the time I met my friend Linda Green, who was on our show. Right. But she was saying how much energy we spend kind of coddling our friends. I mean, we don't want to. Uh, yeah. I mean, unless they're like right. some, we have really, 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 I mean, the friends who understand, you know, right. but I mean, a lot of times you try to spend, there's so much energy trying to like, you know, steer the shit in the right direction or put a happy face on it or, right. oh, no, Bob, that's okay. I mean, yeah. <laughs> right. And it happens, but it happens, and it's, you know, for our own, our own purposes too. I mean, it happens so often. Right. I mean, you can't. You, you you can't complain about something that happens a hundred times a day. You got right. eventually you're gonna you know becomes part of your right. everyday life. Unless unless and, and and you know the thing is, you know I think we may I don't know where we talked about this, but you know the brother goes off down in uh in in Dallas, and it's terrible. I mean it's unfortunate. I mean because now we're just having a bunch of funerals, a lot right. of families without you know fathers and caretakers, you know. But everybody does not respond to this shit well. Right. I mean I think that that. They're used to most of us being tame. You know, like you walk your dogs on a leash and, yeah, Fido and set, set. Right. And they're used to like us basically just, say, hey, brother, give me five or go, you know that. Right. But some motherfuckers, man, they just cannot deal with this shit. Right. You know, they just like snap. And, right. and it's like, and, you know, it's, it's mental illness. You know, right. someone who has a mental illness, 
you know, will take it somewhere else. And it's funny, you know, we haven't, I haven't heard too much uh, mental illness talk around this particular shooter. Right. But, you know, when, when, a, when a, you know, so a, a white guy goes in and shoots up a movie theater, right. you definitely do hear the mental illness part right, over right. and over. Right. And you're right. But, hey. Right. Yeah. yeah. And mental illness is, uh, is real. So I think we talked about that because we started talking about we were talking about the, the forty million dollar slave, but that's right. that's why I think that the book resonates because it really it it takes a direction from just sports and it gets into whatever walk of life that you're in, whether you're in corporate life, corporate America, in a financial house, no matter you know where you are, it's just right. Uh, no, but you know, go, getting back to the event itself, I mean, it was a great event. Like I say, uh, shout out to Les Payne who showed up, Demario Davis. Uh, Walter yep. Beach the third. Yeah, that was great. That was uh, great. You know, uh, a few other people. Yeah, now that 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 was and it was very nice. You know, we had the picture there, of the famous picture of all the the black athletes with Bill Russell, Ali when they all came to Cleveland to, to support Ali when he said he wasn't going to uh, the war, and you know it was cool to bring out the picture. Right. And and Walter Beach, who was one of the people in the picture, right. was actually at the event. Right. And who who played for Cleveland? Demario Davis, as we now know, the Jets fans now know. Is in uh, Cleveland, right? And they they were you know uh, they were able to kind of talk and that kind of stuff. So it was really um, it was um, it was very good, man. So um, you know, like you said, you know, ten years maybe the next ten years I'll start seeing royalties. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the thing. I hope so. Yeah. Um, uh, Tom Brady. Uh, Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what? I mean, what can you say? I mean, I said he had to, he cheated. Right. He, I mean, he cheated and, and listen, man, well, just well, let it go. I mean, and well, Supreme well, Court, that's what the Supreme Court said today. Let it go. Right. So that's that's the news today. Uh, Tom Brady takes an L. Uh, and I mean, to me, all I can say is good. And and let's let's all face it, people. He did it. He did it. If he didn't, do, he he knew who did it. Right. He destroyed his phone. Okay. That's and the evidence. That's, that's the only that's, evidence I needed. That's what killed him. Right, I and mean, it should have killed him. Yeah, I should have killed him. If, I mean, I, if, I, if you accuse me of something, and the first thing I do is throw my phone right out the, the day, window, right the day here. I'm coming, the day I'm coming to get your phone. <laughs> right, you come, you walk in my office, and you see me throwing my phone out the window. So wait a minute, when I'm supposed to get, I'm sorry, I I, I always change my phone every like couple months. This yeah. just happened to be the yeah. day I forgot. Yeah, I just crush it. I I completely destroy my phone every time. Yeah, so you know he misses four games. Right, he'll and probably I, keep appealing. I, you know, he's gonna try. I mean, you know. I guess what after the Supreme? You're a lawyer. After, at what point do you stop? Isn't when the Supreme Court says enough is enough? Isn't that enough? It's enough, but there are, you know there are other legal avenues he can take um, to try to to try to stall. But it's not in 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 the end. Just take, take the sack. Take Tom. the take the. You should have taken the you know. Take the sack. The initial punishment. Just take it. Well, so now you know we're gonna have to hear now. We're gonna have to hear this win one for the Gipper all over again. Right. You know, back to back Super Bowl. It doesn't matter if you win ninety Super Bowls in a row, he still cheated. Right, and it's good. You got you got I think what's his name? Garafalo or whatever yeah. his name is. You know, you give him some 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 much needed playing time. Right. Probably make your team stronger in the end. So. I guess. The Patriots I, still come out at uh, They winners. still win they they win like they'll go what, twelve and four or something, you know. Yeah, that'd be just fine. So we'll see. Uh listen, we're gonna take a little break and um when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, Donald <laughs> Donald Trump, and I, I'm white and I'm proud. Not me, but that's th- th- that's the clarion call from Donald is uh, to all the white people in the country. I'm white and I'm proud. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the NBA, a little saber rattling from uh, it's very interesting man. As much money as people are talking, uh, Adam Silver made some very interesting questions about uh, you know owners. We're looking at this and we don't like it. Right. So we'll come back and we'll 
we'll deal with that uh, when we come back from Bill Roden on sports. back bill roden on sports here high atop the new york times the cafeteria with a beautiful view of the you know nice vista we see, well we see a lot of buildings here but it's nice it's pretty i mean new york it's funny you look at the new york skyline i mean like chicago has a very beautiful skyline and all that i guess the beauty of new york skyline is not necessarily it's beauty it's just like massive like right damn man i mean i live in this place or work in this place or survive in this place. Right, it's massive, it's raw. You know, I, I, I like Chicago, my family, my mom is still living in Chicago, actually. So I go out there, it's beautiful, very beautiful in the summer. It's, you in know, lake. it's yeah. great, but it's so clean. Yeah. You know, and you come to New York, part of the allure of New York, I think, is just raw, and <laughs> just dirty, and, and litter everywhere, right. so I miss that. Although, the, you know, they're trying to do that. I mean, they're actually trying to make Manhattan the borough of the of the wealthy people. I mean, I think that's that's what ultimately Manhattan will be the borough of of the wealthy people the slash the white people. And well, I mean, we you know some other folks sprinkled in who kind of right. managed to hang in there. But um, it's really amazing to see this transformation. And I guess uh, Staten Island will be the I don't know. Each borough will be sort of a sign. Right. And now you know uh, Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Everybody's getting priced out of Brooklyn. So that's that's like that used to be like Manhattan light. Yeah, yeah. Manhattan light used to ethnic. Borough. Right, not anymore. No, the Bronx. Maybe that's the where Bronx they, they is still push everybody yeah, to the Bronx, Bronx. People still in the Bronx. You know, to you know, maybe Queens. they push you to East New York, Queens. Queens. Uh, yeah, but you're right. Staten Island's next. Yeah, yeah. Um, big news, man. You know, it's it's so funny that we've been talking a lot about um, uh, you know, the NBA and all the going on all this money, and particularly triggered by Kevin Durant leaving Golden State and going to. Um, I mean, I mean, you know, leaving Oklahoma City, going to Golden State. And, um, you know, Adam Silver came out today and said, basically said that he was not really a big fan of that. That, uh, you know, um, you know, it was okay, but he didn't particularly, he didn't particularly like that. You know, so, um, Jamal. Yeah, no, I'm just uh, just, <laughs> what, just reviewing uh, Adam Silver's comments over here. That's oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I know it's like I'm not I'm not texting you, or I know, I know, you're a millennial, <laughs> <laughs> but but I thought that was a very interesting uh, uh, response because everybody else was like, "Yay, it's good for the players, good for the players," and I guess basically he kind of was kind of doing a little saber rattling, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, he basically he said he said that he wasn't a fan of of the super team. He didn't say, right. he made a point of saying, you know, Kevin, I do support Kevin DeWright's right to choose where he wants to go, but he's just not a fan of the super team and, and they hope to address that, which was the key thing. He, he said he hopes to address that in the in the CBA, which that which the current CBA, I, I believe, runs up until 2021, but both sides have an opt-out come 2017. Right. Uh, and either side would have to would have to give notice to the other by December of this year. So that's something to look for. Well, I wonder what he's what he's going to say. I mean, I mean, in other words, how the because essentially what he's saying is that when he says I'm not a, a fan of super teams, what he's saying is I'm not a fan of these heroes being able to choose where not only where they're going to go but who they're going to play for because the players really I mean players at Durant's level right really have 
a lot of power. Right. You know, they, they've got power to decide where they're going to go, who they're going to play for. And remember back in the day, you know, um, the, the owners had the power to decide how they were going to make their super teams. Right. And they had the super teams by keeping everybody on one team. Right. Firing the guys that didn't work anymore and then, you know, bringing in – you know, going to the bar and bringing in, okay, we're going to bring in Kareem, and then we're right. going to put Kareem and Wilt and right. Thomas, right. y'all the same thing. You know, right. now it's interesting that the players are basically the ones, the star players can decide, you know, you know what, we're going we're gonna to make uh, OKC the super team. Right, and the way, and the way you, can, you can prevent that is the, is the salary cap and capping how much teams can pay each player, and, and that was thwarted this time because of the, the massive jump uh, this year and next year because of the the TV deal, the so so almost in a way, it wasn't un, you can't say it was unexpected because everybody knew this was coming. But the NBA and Silver did try to address this by going to the players' union. Remember, Michelle Roberts told us this when we had her on the show last year that the play that the uh, that Silver and the league came to them and wanted to stagger or wanted to make sure that the money came in a little more slowly. Oh, okay. Like they wanted more right. years for that. So this supposedly to prevent, the, uh, you know, it's giving them the, cre- the benefit of the doubt now to say that they saw this coming and it was for this. I don't know about that. But they wanted to slowly to bring it in and stagger it. And because because that didn't happen, all of a sudden all these teams had the surplus of money and they could all afford all to these, to waste it. All these they could all afford three superstars or four right. superstars. And remember, it's not just that; it is some luck involved for for Golden State because they have Steph Curry on such a on such a low contract. Right. You know, he's only getting about eleven million a year, which is like pennies now nowadays. It's a lot of money. He's like one of the lowest paid players on the team. I mean, let's be real. I know there are people who are listening to this and they listen to these salaries in general until eleven million. What I would do, if, if I mean, if what a family just imagine a family where eleven right. million. And let's say just a fairly working kind of family in, you know, anywhere, the Bronx or somewhere, and you've got $11 million even after taxes, <laughs> and that's generational money. I mean, that, that's the money that's going to take, particularly if you've been trying to get by in like $10,000 a year right. or 20 or something, you get $11 million, yeah. then take the taxes out. She said, you know, that's like for three generations right. of my family. That's, that's, that's uh, going to, that's, that's all three of my kids. I'm going to take them out of whatever little idiot factory they're in now and put them in a, a good school. Well, we'll put them in a – when it's a good school, they'll put them in a great private school right. where they have a whole other set of problems. And right. The money that you, you you have to also on the psychologist, you know. But the, when people hear this, like $11 million, it's like, it's pennies, it's peanuts. Right, you know, you know? Rel- relatively for – for the for the NBA and uh, you know and obviously that's true and that's one of the reasons why when people were were trying to make a big deal out of that you know saying oh you know how's the chemistry going to be you know when's he going to get upset that these guys are making more money than him I'm, he's fine all right he's, he still has his big mansion huge mansion he can do whatever he wants to do he's not he's not struggling I'm sure he's fine with that and don't forget Under Armour he's probably making oh, man. you know how much money with oh, that oh man because he put them on the map and and, and also remember his dad. His dad was an NBA player, right? I mean, so right. and his mom. I mean, so they're yeah, no, he's they're fine. like like the Hill family, you know. It's right. not you know the rich get rich and the, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I guess we did we we did ask the question last time we talked. Well, is this good for the NBA? Right. Clearly, and that's what Adam Silver is wondering. That's his job. Is is this? And they're probably like you had mentioned before. Some players probably ain't thrilled about this. You're up here playing, and I don't know some team somewhere, and and you're like. 
said, wait a minute, how the hell are we supposed to compete with this? If I'm not on one of the super teams, right. what am I supposed to do? Well, they say you collect your money. Right. Well, that's what James Harden did. He collected his money. He signed. They actually gave him an extension. I think he's making close to $30 million a year now. Oh, he took the God. extension. But in his, in his letter uh, to the fans, he said, you know, I'm happy to be here. This is my home. We don't. I don't. I don't mind. I don't have a super team. I bet you don't. Yeah, with thirty million in your 30 pocket. Thirty million. Yeah, I mean, it's again the the, the numbers. Like a, again, the numbers are just staggering. And of course, but you have to wait. Say, wait a minute. If they're making this kind of money, what are the owners making? Right, a lot more. I mean, tons more. And and this for a lot of owners, this is just like their hobby. Right. This isn't like 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 we're really trying to make a lot of money from this. I mean, right. we may get that may just be another thing of leverage that we use to leverage our power. But we got we 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 made our money in a whole different way. I remember Hodges, uh, um, uh, Craig Hodges said this a long time ago. They were we were, were the Bulls and Scottie Pippen was talking about uh, the kind of money he makes. And and uh, Hodges said, "My well, how much money do you think the owners are making?" If they can afford to pay fifteen of us this kind of money, how come? How much money do you think they make? Right, and and what what uh, salary cap do they agree to? They're right. not going to agree to anything that's going to that's going to cut you know their revenue in right. half or anything like that. They're doing they're doing just fine. They're doing better than the players are, and they're going to make sure of that at all times. All time. So I mean, right now, so now people are saying, well, you know, they're getting fifty one percent of basketball related revenue, and players forty nine. Are they going to really go to war? over this two percentage points. But then Silver kind of drops this bomb about, well, yeah, I don't really like this whole idea of the this super team. We gotta take care of that. Well yeah, and so he, he speaks for the owners, don't forget that. See Silver does sometimes come across as a as a player friendly uh uh commissioner, but he works for the owners. So he's 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 talking for the owners and he just came from, you know, the owners meetings. Right. So with this message. You know, and and remember no matter what the real, what no matter what the reality is, per, the perception now is you know from the fans who we're going to talk about later, and from you know basically the fans, if there's ever if there's a lockout, they're going to be killing the players because right. they saw right. they see all this money that that the players are getting. The fans will be completely on the owner's side because they always are, which is, which just blows me they're not, away. They're not, you know they're not they're not going to be for Courtney Lee getting ten million a year and then complaining about it. Right. They didn't even, they didn't even like that you got five million. So you think they're going to like that you got ten? Yeah, and I guess it's but I wonder it's I guess it's a weird dynamic, but I also think it's because the players don't necessarily ally themselves with workers that much either. I mean, in other words, when the Caterpillar goes on strike, there weren't any baseball players who were going you know joining the picket line and again the reality is that i think from 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 a black person's point of view you're like dang wow man somebody makes 11 million dollars a young brother who didn't even finish college or whatever but i think the question is what are you doing to help the cause are you and 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 and, and i think a lot of guys do have a good answer i mean they'll say well listen i i built a gym gymnasium in new orleans and i Somebody else says I have Thanksgiving dinner, you know, every day or I mean, every Thanksgiving or something. Right, right. You know, they, you know, their age, and a lot of times their agents do all this stuff. You know, you say, you know, Christmas buying toys for tots and all that. And I'm not trying to denigrate that, but I think what Carmelo Anthony was saying is that yeah, but then when this devastating stuff happens in your community, you know, it's not about toys for tots and you know, Thanksgiving dinner or, or Thanksgiving. I mean, that's fine, but what do we all, and, that's, and and that's just basketball players, all of us, what all of us do. Somebody said at the uh, at the thing, at the event Monday, because I was talking about, um, 
you know, John Carl Tommy Smith, you know, the idea that at some point in all of our lives, we've got to go into the lion's den and snatch the meat out of the lion's jaw. I mean, that, you know, you know, or you always, you know, and she said, well, yeah, but you got to do it at the New York Times. You got to do it at your company. Yeah, I mean, you have right. to take on not just athletes. I think that we do that because um, athletes are so visible. They're so visible. It's so black and they get so much money. And I think our passivity is 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 almost um, is we could see so much of our passivity in them. This is what happens. You got a lot of money, and you don't want to lose it. Right. You play ball, and you play ball. Right. You know. Right. And you know, honestly, a lot of people understand that. You know, a lot. Of, I mean, there are a lot, a lot of people, people who agree, lot, who right. say, "I would. Yeah, I, I mean, money. I'm not doing anything either." What I mean, that's real. I mean, you kind of have to to deal with it. I mean, but that's why people like. You know, Martin Luther King and Gandhi—they're not that, that. That's why it's rare. Because right. That's why they remember. That's yeah, why they talk. You about. don't have a lot of people who say, you know what, or, or Ali. You could take my heavyweight belt because it's just a material thing. But there's, you know, there's something larger than that. So, you know, and, that, and all we got in say, well, good form, but it ain't gonna be us. <laughs> you know, because right. we have a we have a five year window. So that'd be very interesting, man. That would be very interesting to see this new collective bargaining. We'll thing. see. I mean, we have to have, you know, we want to get Michelle Roberts back on this show. Absolutely. She's, she said, obviously, she'll come. So I'm, I'm, I'd be fascinated to hear what she has to say about this because, you know, like I said, that's the thing I keep thinking about. The, 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 the public perception is going to be so against them uh, trying, trying to get any more money or trying to get a bigger piece of the share, even though in reality they, they deserve it. Right. So. Right. And she and she has been out there saying that you know she knows that they deserve it, and she's she was put in place to fight for that. Remember right. they they lost the last CBA right. with under Billy Hunter, and she has mentioned that a few times. A lot. <laughs> so she she's in that place to improve their situation, not just to stand pat. So it's going to be fascinating to see what happens. And what she's saying, I think, is that don't fall for this stuff about right. oh you guys right. have enough and. Let's not rock the boat. And also, uh, I think some retired players are also talking about the pension. The pension hasn't really been funded almost for 10 years. And they're saying that the, the, the NBA's pension is probably one of the lowest of the major sports when you compare it to, to football of all sports and also to baseball, that, that, that the uh, NBA pension is very low and hasn't been funded. And uh, this person who I was talking to said that that should, that should be a fight. And, but that, that's the responsibility of not only the owners – but also the, the 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 current players. Oh yeah, no question. That's that's primarily the responsibility of the players' association. And I was, you know, I was killing the NFL the other day. But we have to give the NFL credit for that. They do have one of the better pension uh, plans, and it's better than the NBA's by far. Mm-hmm. And I think, and and this is this, this kind of may get into the next segment, or maybe segment two. But you know, there's been so much talk about the NFL. I mean, about football, the game of football, and it's how terrible it is and all that. And it's, it's it is a game to, gr- to grind you up. And so they should have a great pension because you know that invariably you're going to have problems. You're right. going to have some either really, really, really serious problems, um, you know, or you're going to, ha- you know, where you don't know where you, you, you don't know where you are and right. you're going to need to be put in a home. Right. Or you're just going to have like some very, you know, you're going to need knee replacements, elbow replacements, all that kind of stuff. So I do think the NFL needs to have a tremendous, not only tremendous pension fund, but I think they need to bit more millions of dollars into creating, building uh, these homes in different parts of the country, like maybe, you know, the, the homes for specifically for guys who may have dementia, uh, guys who um, get Alzheimer's, and they need to put them in a home. And I think that uh, they should 
have places for these NFL guys that are kind of these guys probably a little younger than the average people go there, but and and put them sort of in an environment with like minded or like body people. So yeah, I mean I think it's I think the NFL should have right, including like counseling. It's almost like PTSD. Yeah, you know, yeah, after after right, <laughs> after you come out, you come out of you know a football, NFL career. I mean, I, I mean, you're dodging bullets for for a living. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they so do, do speak. That for, for, yeah, and they do that for you know for uh, soldiers. I mean, soldiers at least. Right. I think there's a period where you kind of have to go through a transitional period. For the NBA, I mean, for the NFL, there's no you just go to practice, go home. Right. Or maybe like a friend of mine, Mark Washington, was telling me maybe they would stop for a beer or something just to kind of. Try to <laughs> right, ratchet right. it down or something. Right. So, um, yeah. you know, and, and in fair, you know, I don't, I don't like to make a direct comparison to to the military either. But the football players are getting paid right. much right. more than the military right. is right. getting paid. Right. And, and and at the end of the day, they can go home. I mean, right. after the game, right? Yeah, like they pray and go home. Right. So yeah, and yeah. you're playing a game. Yeah. Uh, so we're gonna go. We're not gonna go home yet. We're just gonna take a little break, and then when we come back, we could talk about, uh, you know. You know Trump and you know Trump and football. Let's, let's, let's just leave it. Trump and Donald football. Uh, Donald football. Donald Maybe, football. Uh, yeah. Okay. Anyway, we'll be back in a couple. Of Hello, everybody. We're back. Uh, still here. Haven't kicked us out yet. Um, you know, I was just, you know, the, the whole thing with Trump, uh, the, the, the Times had this front page piece about how uh, Donald Trump is, uh, you know, uh, crossing these boundaries uh, and, 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 you know, these new boundaries of racism and outrage. They didn't use the term in the headline race. We're still using this term race. I keep saying, you know, the problem is not race. Right. The problem is racism. Right. Oh, that's, that's, that's word is kind of so harsh. Right. <laughs> Can we just say we're going to talk about race today? No, let's talk about racism right. today. Okay, let's talk right. about racism. Yours. Right. <laughs> well, let's do, well, I don't know. You know, but um, but but it, a couple of thoughts. I said, well, they, they, there's a poll that said seventy percent of people uh, think that the relationship between whites and blacks is terrible. You know, I mean, only white 70. people. Yeah, seventy. Seventy uh-huh. percent. I said, "No kidding." I mean, only white people come, you know, with this kind of shit. I mean, it's almost like, "Wow, really?" Right. You know. Right. And it's like, well, why don't you take a walk through your building? Right. And and you know, and and, and uh, let's walk through some of the seats of power and control in your building. Let's see how many black folks are there. You know. Right. You know, but um, yeah. You know, one of the things I was interested in, though, it seems like what Trump, you know, and and Trump is chiding white people, saying, you know, and the article did point out. I mean, they talk about, well, you know, white people control. Like they still control all the wealth and all the stuff, you know. And I, I hate to kind of go there, but you know, in this country, I mean, you you go by, you'll be in a corner, you see, you know, these you know white kids, white people like begging for money. And listen, I think you have to be compassionate because anything. But I'm saying, yeah, sometimes I think oh, the guy said, man, how this shit was made for you to succeed. I mean, right. it, it was late. This was laid out for you to at least have a fifty-fifty chance, right, to succeed, right. You know. And, and I'm not trying to be insensitive, but it, this was designed for you to make it. The flip side is that when you see black folks who have kind of made it, or I mean, it's miraculous because it was not designed 
for black people to make it. Right. It's designed, even when you go to these corporations, you know, when a, when a white person goes to these corporations, they have a 50-50 chance to succeed right. or to fail. Right. Which is, as opposed to when you're black and you go there, it's kind of like, you know, maybe 40%, if at the top 30%, the odds are stacked against right. you. Right, and, and, you know, you're, you're treated as if you should be happy to be there. Right, 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 right. It's hard. It's hard to escape that. Yeah. And then, and in fact, that that becomes the reality. You are happy to be there. Yeah, everybody have, should be happy have, to be there because you have no chance at upward mobility. Right. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's 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 amazing. I mean, it's, it's almost like it's, I, I use the analogy that you know, blacks and whites, the same company, are 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 uh, graded differently. The white person you're competing against is graded like and, and figure skating, where you start with a perfect score, right, and as you make mistakes, you lose points. Where the black people start like in basketball, where right. you start with no points, right, and you got to like earn points. So if your white colleague screws up enough and you score enough points, that maybe if you're lucky, you'll kind of meet somewhere in the middle, right. But right. that you know that's kind of how this stuff is. But anyway, so but I was thinking this whole thing of Trump telling you know white people you know who I guess they feel that somehow they're losing ground or something, and 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 he was chiding them to like be proud and all that and i was just thinking basically what he's saying is what you know the the, the black uh, uh the black chant uh, you know in the, in the 60s when james brown was saying i'm i'm black and i'm proud right and the white people that's what he wants to say i'm white and i'm proud right you know you know and it's just a whole bizarre thing and 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 then you know and, I, and I, i'm thinking of trump followers and and this whole hatred that they're having for resentment for everything it's not them particularly black folks and i know a lot of those people particularly guys are football fans right. they're probably big sec of course, football fans of course, right of they course. love alabama they're fill, football they're filling up those stadiums right. they're filling up the stadiums rooting for alabama lsu clemson and it's not it's not and it's not just the south right. they're, they're rooting for the giants right they were right. they for Rutgers, right? The bank. Well, maybe, maybe Rutgers, Rutgers is a tough sale. Yeah, <laughs> but, but, but uh, yeah, yeah you know they're out, out west. They're rooting for you know the Beavers, yeah, Oregon, the Ducks. <laughs> right, they're there, and yeah. it, it, it's a it, it's an interest. It is like it's an interesting dilemma in terms. You got these, you got these Trump vote. You know who are Trump? They know they're Trump voters, or or just. People who are insensitive to to race or, or, or are straight up racist right. um, out there, you know, big time football fans rooting for a team that's 70, 80 percent black. And but when you think about it, it's not it's not a dilemma at all because it's, it's that's how it is. It's everyday life. This is just part of their life. They've, they're rooting for the team. They don't they're, they're rooting for these drones. Right. They're not right. Rooting for, right. They're not rooting they're not for really human beings. Yeah, right. They're not rooting for people. And it's not really all that much different. I mean, back in the day, you know, they, they're the same people who voted for Strom Thurmond or, or whoever else or or Republicans in general, because Trump isn't saying that much isn't saying anything much different than Republicans and don't forget he's the Republican nominee and right. he's being supported by all those guys or right. he's 90 percent of them right you know and, and the ones that aren't supporting him are just being silent right 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 yeah I mean it's, it's quite a, a bizarre uh, uh, dilemma and and I think you know Spike Lee in his you, you know uh, was way back do the right thing do the right yeah. thing had that thing where the white guy could like Resent black people, but he loves uh, yeah, Magic yeah. Johnson. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I mean, I want to. I want to. I, I was actually going to write something about this whole, this whole experience, this whole 
you know dichotomy almost because it is it reminds me of do the right thing and it's it's when a pino in the right. in the in the, the pizza, pizza place shop. tells mookie that his favorite athletes and entertainers are black, but they're not really black. Right. He doesn't consider them black. Right. They're you know, different. It's, and it's the same thing. It's the same exact thing. These guys are rooting for, you know, their you know, favorite player on the team could be so and so, but they're not looking at him as black. And if and if he takes off that uniform, as we mentioned as I mentioned before, he takes off the uniform, comes off the field, they're not rooting for him when he gets pulled over by that cop, I guarantee you. Right. And that gets back to forty million dollar slaves, is that that you're being told that you're different. You know, when you're either on the, the Clemson team or the Alabama team, or, you know, uh, and you're being told that, listen, you're different. You're not like these other students there. I mean, you're kind of different. You know, we like you, right. you know, because you're you're doing so. I mean, you're you're enhancing our coffers. You're, right. you're doing something or even if you're not wherever you're 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 different from these blacks. Right. And I think and I think that when you when you see players, when they start doing the I can't breathe and all that. And players are saying, "Well, wait a minute! Well, I am just like these other black folks." And then that's when the rubber starts to hit the road, right? Know? Exactly. And it's not—that's the point. It's not even something that we're guessing about. We see it as right. soon as right. as soon as an athlete tries to speak up for any cause or himself or anything other than the sport. What happens? People are on Twitter. Or March of Dimes or something. You know, yeah. People on Twitter or wherever. Even before Twitter existed, there was backlash. Oh, just stick to football. We right. don't want to hear you. We're not. We're not following you because of this. We don't want to hear your opinion. Just play. Just play basketball. And that hasn't changed at all. It's probably gotten louder because of social media. I, I did. I was on the uh, sports reporters last Sunday. In fact, I'm going to be on the sports reporters coming Sunday. And I did the party shot on Carmelo Anthony, and about his stance and saying that you know you got to come out of hiding, and. Uh, one of the responses, like on Twitter, is a white guy said, "I'll never watch the sports reporters again. <laughs> you know, it's terrible. This is terrible. This, you know, just stick to." As he essentially said, "Stick to sports. Right. Stick to sports. Right. You know? and, right. Well, I mean, this stuff is real. I mean, it's, no. You. How about you stick to sports? Yeah, just, yeah. You know, shut up. Right. How about you? How about I don't hear from you? Right. How about you just well, clap? I, go to the game, clap, and when he talks, I don't want to hear from you. How about right. that? Well, I, but I want him to click on the show. Though. They can click oh, they on can the click show. Click on the show. You know, I mean, hey, listen, I'm like the pod. I mean, clicks help, but it's just, um, it's it's just very, uh, it's just very deep and very unfortunate. You know, I mean, I think that we're talking about all this stuff, the forty million dollar slaves and all that, is because now, I think everybody in every community is being forced. If you're if you're black in America and these killings of young black people continue by the police you you know you've got to sort of say what side are you on it can't be you know um, like if you're Anthony Davis in New Orleans you know are you just gonna be Anthony Davis the ball player and not really say anything because uh, you don't want to you know you don't want to turn off fans or you don't want to lead any kind of move because you got a nice thing going and you don't really want to you know, um, so, you know, so so I think that these events are really forcing everybody, no matter where you work, what you do, to sort of declare. I said, listen, man, I'm I'm I'm, I'm African American, before I'm an account executive or before right. I'm a sports writer, and this stuff has got to stop. And it's not about you know people. What about black on black crime? Well, what about white on white? White people kill each other too. <laughs> right. We don't call it white on white crime. Right, right. Yeah, no, no. I mean, it's. It's just it's it's like it's like a boiling point has has been reached, right. and it's amazing it's taken this long really when you think about it, um, and and it, is it really a boiling point? We shall see. I mean, obviously, right. tragedy with with the 
it was first of all it was a tragedy all the way around. It was a tragedy uh, when it comes to Philando Castile's shooting in Minnesota to Austin uh, Sterling shooting in Baton Rouge, right. and then of course the the police uh, five policemen being killed right. in Dallas. It's, it's a it's a big tragedy. So that, so it's almost like this is a boiling point. Um, there's marches and demonstrations going on ar- around the country. So, and 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 athletes are, you know, just like in the '60s when when things reached a bo- boiling point, there athletes were forced to to play a role too. And I, and it may be that we're going through something like something similar. Obviously, it's different, different in different contexts to, to some extent. And athletes were, especially as far as athletes are concerned, because they're making so much more money as we already talked about exactly. than they were back back then. So, but. That we definitely reached a, uh, you know, a crossroads in, ter- in society in general here. Uh, Obama's terms coming to an end. Mm. You got Trump uh, f- fueling, f- you know, fueling the flames. Right. I mean, like you said, people, people want to blame, you know, talk about black on black crime. First of all, let me, let me touch on that. You, get, you talk about black on black crime. Black on black crime is is punished severely as it is. Right. Like. People who commit black on black crime end up in jail. Look at look at the jail cells; they're full. Mm. Okay, the police on black crime, eh, not so much. Right. Though right. You barely, you don't even get an indictment. Right. So that's really the the core difference. Right, right, right. Yeah, and um, I'm I'm wondering, you know, the Olympics are coming up in uh, in Rio, and I'm wondering, you know, thinking of what Carmelo said, are 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 black athletes who are going to be in uh, Rio going to staging any kind of or, 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 you know, I think that you even have uh, athletes of color. Are you even some white athletes? I wonder if there's going to be some demonstration of human rights uh, by athletes um, in, in, in this big Olympic stage. By the way, I'm thinking about going to Rio. I'm just, I just thought about it uh, really? last week or so. Yeah, because uh, I think people would enjoy listening to it on our, our live in Rio podcast. I don't know. Mosquitoes are kind of trouble, <laughs> but but I'm just wondering if um, if 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 this might be a time for athletes to say, you know, we're we're on this huge stage. I mean, constantly every night, if we're in the NFL, I mean, if we're in the NBA, if we're in the NFL, we're constantly on these huge stages with millions of people turning in, you know, and turning on and looking at us, looking at the way we dress and our style, you know, um, and the owners trust us because I guess they they know that we're not going to really say anything we're gonna stay in our place because we're making a lot of money and it's hush money but i'm wondering if we're approaching a time and and that's what carmelo was talking about I said listen i don't have the answers but inaction is not an answer we've got to do something but first we've got to be unified and i guess if if if, if we're going to end with something uh in this particular podcast uh this version of bill Rodin, well it is that thing of unity i mean i think that's really you know, the further you go back in our history, you know, you see this big, you could look at the black and white demonstrations, you know, uh, in black and white film when people would be walking in Selma arm in arm and, right. and all that kind of stuff. And I'm sure there are people who are walking arm in arm who hate each other. <laughs> they may have lived in the same neighborhood, right, right. but they realize that there is a common cause, a common goal. And we still, as black folks in this country, we still have a common cause and a common goal, I think has just been little obscured and I was telling DeMario as a matter of fact that I think in many ways athlete, black athletes who are conscious like him because he was wondering he said well how do I what do I do I mean how do I lead or whatever and, and in some ways if, if you're an athlete you're in an advantage in that you're dealing with a 
the people have to come. You're in this locker room, and you're in this locker room with black folks who are different, come from different areas, different economics thing, different stuff. But you're right, kind of there during the course of a year, and you could at least you're, you're you could at least kind of connect with each other, whether you agree or disagree. But you're, right. you know, you're right. You, and you have an audience at the very least, and you can bounce ideas off each other. I mean, you're constantly working with other people, right. and people who look like you for the most part. Right, for the most part, and and I'm sure you have some people who are just like completely out of their minds. But right. you guys probably have some people out of their minds back then too. Right, you know. But the the circumstance outweighed personal kind of stuff. You know, it's like, hey man, they're gonna wipe us all out. You know. And I think here, and particularly with integration, and that was sort of part of the problem with the whole, you know, when you look at Jackie Robinson and all that, you know, you know, integration was like a, uh, a tornado. It was a, like this t- tornado that just blew apart the black community, just blew it into little bitty pieces. And I think what we're doing now is basically just kind of, we're still picking up, putting ourselves back together with those with those pieces and 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 it is a process but i i I think you know going back to monday's event when you see young people who are there who who maybe for the first time they're kind of studying black history and not just studying black history but studying a particular perspective because uh i mean you know well this this could be another show but um no but i do think i do think that uh you know it's a it's a step obviously we need unity and hopefully that comes but i do think the individual stances that people are taking is the first step. Right. And if and if people and if enough people are taking those individual stances, they they're gonna look around and say, "Oh, well, he's taking the same stance. Oh, wait, this person too. Oh, I, I'm not alone. Right. Um, not a not, not everybody knew they weren't alone in terms of their thought process, but they're not alone the in the action, and they're not alone in in terms of having the courage to stand up. And once enough people do, then that unity can come. And that's when the courage comes in because you do have to. I mean, you know, there is something to lose, you know, and the laws could come in. Maybe you don't get that promotion so quick. Once you identify yourself as a pro-black person, mm-hmm. a person who's not going to just sit in the meeting and just, yeah, well, Jack, you know, that kind of stuff. Whether you're saying, hey, listen, I am I am a black person. I do care about black people, black things, you know, black lives. And, and in, in, in your corporation, and I think you said something very important about somebody takes an individual stand. And then somebody supports that person, and you make it take take an individual stand, and it really takes. And, and also, you're gonna have some white people support you that right. that is surprising because a lot of it is, you know, black people have have had this uh, fear and rightfully so, but instilled in them, you know, where you're afraid to take a stand right. because you've seen things happen. But there are people that will that will surprising people probably that will will support you. And will agree with your stance. Once you, you know, show that you got tr- some yeah, guts and some yeah. courage, and you have a and remember, Trump. You know, I don't think Trump is going to win. I don't think he has uh, fifth, over fifty percent over the majority of the country that agree with Trump. I don't. I don't believe that. Only way I see him winning is if people don't come out to vote. Mm. I don't see it. I. Mm. I think. I think it's a blowout, and I think. And I think the. You to me personally, I don't trust any of the any of the polls because the TV polls because it's their business to make this thing competitive so we watch TV and they did it and they at the same time uh, last election cycle they were saying that Romney and Obama were neck and neck he blew them out out. and and before that Romney and uh, McCain I mean uh, McCain and Obama Obama, neck and neck he blew them out you know so I'm not I'm not buying it 
Right, right, right. It's scary. But it I'm is not scary. Buying. It is scary. And I, mean, I think also, like, the fear of the riot is worse than the riot itself. Right. You know, and I think that's what we have now. This, this, you know, you know, Trump to be relevant has got to play on this fear, the fear of, of white people. I mean, you know, it's just amazing losing out, <laughs> losing ground, right. which is just. I mean, we're looking, we're looking around. We're in the middle of Manhattan, and you're trying to tell me that, you yeah. know, white people are losing out. Yeah, that's, and and white most white people know that educate Trump is doing horribly with educate college educated white uh, men and women. Right. Okay. Because the smarter you are, the, <laughs> the right. more you know that this guy is crazy. Is, not, is talking some complete nonsense. Right. He's 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 winning with the uneducated white population. Okay. Maybe. And then and and he's taking advantage of that. Maybe that'll be the the first mover for black athletes. You know, black athletes either black athletes against Trump. <laughs> Maybe that's need be. that. Black athletes against Trump. And let me give a shout out to the WNBA players. Uh, both the Minnesota Lynx and and the Liberty had, wore Black Lives Matter T-shirts mm. and prom right. and prominently. Yeah. Okay. The NBA players haven't done anything of that sort. Right. So and it's the and the WNBA. You know, again a largely uh, black league, but they show hardly any fear. Right. And, the, and the white players in that league join with right, them. Right, right. And, and it's really, and we had Candace Wiggins on and uh, Swin Cash, and um, I guess we have Tamisha Catching yep. at some point will play. But, um, yeah, I agree with you, man. They are, I, I think you've got to, and that, that league, unlike the NBA, that league is a, is a, is a they're, they're fighting. I mean, they, they, it's almost like a cause. It's, a, right. it's like a mission. Right. You know? Right. And so I, I really respect them. So they can relate. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And they're not making that same money either. And all, you never know. Once you start making that that dough, you know, there's always that threshold, man. You right. know. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk about a very powerful statement by four uh, NBA athletes to open the ESPY Awards in a very, very unique and powerful way. When we come back, I'm Bill Roden on sports. <laughs> Uh, we're back with Bill Roden on Sports. Hey, Jamal, you know, while we were taping the show uh, this evening, uh, the ESPYs, of course, in, in L.A. were unfolding. It's funny, um, uh, a couple of days ago I had a conversation with uh, John Skipper, who, of course, is the president and CEO of uh, ESPN, and uh, he just said, you know, listen to the opening of the ESPYs. I think that uh, you're going to be uh, surprised, you know. And, in fact, uh, the, the show opened with Carmelo Anthony, uh, Chris Paul, uh, LeBron James, and Dwayne Wade, and uh, they each gave a very powerful, um, uh, powerful opening about uh, about uh, police violence, uh, the, you know, the brutality against uh, young black men, right? And what athletes could say about it and all that. Um, um, you you listen to it. I know everybody probably listen. Let's, let's let people listen to it, and um, and uh, let's talk about it. But let's. Let's uh, let people listen to what they said. Good evening. Tonight is a celebration of sports, celebrating our accomplishments and our victories. But in this moment of celebration, we actually start the show tonight this way. The four of us talking to our fellow athletes with the country watching, because we cannot ignore the realities of the current state of America. The events of the past week have put a spotlight on the injustice, 
distrust, and anger that plagues so many of us. The system is broken. The problems are not new. The violence is not new. And the racial divide definitely is not new. But the urgency to create change is at an all-time high. We stand here tonight accepting our role in uniting communities to be the change we need to see. We stand before you as fathers, sons, husbands, brothers, uncles, and in my case, as an African-American man and the nephew of a police officer who was one of the hundreds of thousands of great officers serving this country. But Trayvon Martin, Michael Brown, Tamir Rice, Eric Gardner, Laquan McDonald, Alton Sterling, Philando Castile. This is also our reality. Generations ago, legends like Jesse Owens, Jackie Robinson, Muhammad Ali, John Carlos, and Tommy Smith, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Jim Brown, Billie Jean King, Arthur Ashe, and countless others, they set a model for what athletes should stand for. So we choose to follow in their footsteps. The racial profiling has to stop. The shoot-to-kill mentality has to stop. Not seeing the value of black and brown bodies has to stop. But also the retaliation has to stop. The endless gun violence in places like Chicago, Dallas, not to mention Orlando, it has to stop. Enough. Enough is enough. Now, as athletes, it's on us to challenge each other to do even more than what we already do in our own communities. And the conversation cannot, it cannot stop as our schedules get busy again. It won't always be convenient. It won't. It won't always be comfortable. But it is necessary. We all feel helpless and frustrated by the violence. We do. But that's not acceptable. It's time to look in the mirror and ask ourselves, what are we doing to create change? It's not about being a role model. It's not about our responsibilities to the tradition of activism. I know tonight we'll honor Muhammad Ali, the GOAT. But to do his legacy any justice, let's use this moment as a call to action for all professional athletes to educate ourselves, explore these issues, speak up, use our influence, and renounce all violence. And most importantly, go back to our communities, invest our time, our resources, help rebuild them, help strengthen them, help change them. We all have to do better. Thank you. Wow, that was very uh, powerful stuff. What, what was your reaction when you, when you uh, saw and, and heard this? I was definitely surprised, uh, but at the same time impressed. Mm -hmm. And um, the, the thing that, that resonated most with me that I, that I, that, that I took most from, from the statement was that they mm -hmm. called out their fellow athletes mm -hmm. to play an active role in fighting for and promoting change. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just uh, a statement about what was going wrong and what they felt was wrong with society. They actually challenged their fellow athletes directly mm -hmm. to take a stand and to to fight for and promote change. And we were talking about whose idea was this. I mean, they, it's interesting because, you know, obviously Carmelo 
Carmelo came out with a very first statement about a week or so ago. Right. When he basically said, you know, challenged athletes that we can't, we got to stop hiding. We just can't use our contracts. I mean, we're making enough money, and uh, let's let money empower us, not weaken us. Right. And he the, he said, I think Carmelo said, you know, we're here to be celebrated. But and what leads me to think that it was their idea. And he said, we wanted to start the show this way. Right. Which makes me believe that probably. He was talking a little bit. The guys were talking and said, listen, we just can't go on the show when we're honoring Muhammad Ali, whose whole legacy right. was that he stood up right. against people and started talking about my jump shot. Right, right. You know? And then we talked about this a, a couple times recently that this is the way to pay tribute to Muhammad Ali, to be Muhammad Ali, to, to take a stand, to not be afraid. Right. You, I mean, we all see what's going on out here. They're not blind, right? And what they did here is they actually showed and they told the world. We talk, we were talking about this earlier in the show mm-hmm. about how many fans don't view these guys as black, right? You know, they view them as just superstars or drones or right. got you know in a uniform, but they don't view them as black men. And what they did right here was tell you, we are black men. We're black men just like those, you know, all the names they mentioned that had been killed by police. Right. So that was very powerful. Yeah, it was. And um, again, I'm sure that people can nitpick right. all kinds of stuff. But the fact that, um, you know, that, that I, I really do think that it was their idea right. that, that they said, you know, we're, we've got to let people know that we're, we're concerned about this. And I think what I'd like this to do is sort of spread like a ripple in the pond. In other words, what what they were doing is saying we're going to take responsibility in in our particular industry. Right. Right. That's all we can do. Right. Well, if you are working at Goldman Sachs, you know, and making like you know ten million dollars a year, whatever you're making, I think you got to step back and say, are you a ten million dollar, you know, are you a ten million dollar Negro, and and you're not going to identify with with the community, or are you going to step forward too? Right. Uh, same thing with with the reporters and everybody, wherever you are, I think that you have to say, okay, nobody's got the answer. I mean, they didn't come up and say, well, this is what we're going to do, but they just said, we have to announce to the world and to everybody watching this that our eyes are open. We're watching this. We're concerned we all have sons and daughters, and this has got to stop. And I thought it was very interesting when they when they talked about the um, shoot to kill right. has got to stop. The racial profile has got to stop. Not seeing the value of black and brown men has got to stop. Black and brown people has got to stop. I mean, the guy in New Orleans, I mean, Baton Rouge, shot shot this guy in front of his wife. I mean, it, it, you know, it, it's kids, you know. Right. And I, I and, and, and I think you mentioned this before. It's going to be very interesting with these people who normally don't really look at black athletes as men. Now, are they going to start saying, we don't like Carmelo anymore? We don't like LeBron James. Now that we see them, as black men, right? You know, how you fit? Are you gonna still support I me? Mean, you know, how do you? You know, right? Well, good. You know, right. it's at least you know it's better to to know the evil that's in front of you rather than to you know have to wonder and guess. I mean, and and these athletes know already. Right. They know they know how it is. I mean, these the guys who are who are committing to Kentucky and Alabama mm-hmm. to play football or basketball, when they don't commit to, to some school, all of a sudden all those fans that liked you before are sending you racist tweets and all that right. kind of stuff. So they know what's out there. They know what we discussed earlier about not being really true fans of of them as people. They right. they understand that. You know, so I, I think I I think 
it's the only thing they could do to, to be able to live with themselves. And this is four superstars in the NBA. I definitely think that they came up with it on their own. They're four, four friends. First of all, these guys right, are, right. are well-known friends. They hang together. So obviously there was a conversation had. Like you said, Carmelo had already basically written the blueprint to this whole to this whole thing, so I kind of feel like he spearheaded it. He was the he was the person who right. spoke first. LeBron spoke last, which makes sense because he's the biggest star of them all. Um, but at the same time, remember, it's, it, you know, I look at it. It is it, it's a great thing, but it's just a statement. But I thought it was a powerful statement and a, and a much needed statement and a heartfelt statement. But we'll yeah. see where it goes from and, here. And next, and next is deeds. I mean, you know, Max Roach had an album called Deeds, Not Words. Right. And I think the words are great. And, and as Carmelo also said in his uh, in his statement a, a week ago that, okay, we've already, like you said, we've, we've talked before. We've done the marches, the demo. We've done all that stuff. We're looking for for something new. Right. And I think, that, although he didn't say it then, I think the new thing, is, again, is unity. Right. You know, because the interesting thing in – we're just coming off of an of a NBA performance. In all sports, we all re- we realize that a team that is the best team usually wins. When everybody accepts their roles, they play their roles, and they play together. And I think that's what, uh, you know, that's what I think Carmelo's message was. Certainly when we, you know, earlier this week when we, you know, had the celebration of $40 million slaves, that was sort of the whole thing is that we've got to find a new common denominator. What what binds us? What links us right. as a people? And I, I've always thought that the athletes, even on even on the plantation, the plantation athletes always had the most currency, because the the uh, people, you know, the, the black folks in the field, they liked them because you know they 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 were the embodiment of strong black bodies. Right. And the people in the house liked them because they'd be bitten on them to win the foot races and, <laughs> right, right. and be the strongest boxers and know it all that. So they had the athletes, even on the plantation, always had the currency. They had the respect of their peers and also the grudging respect of the people in the big house. And I think that even today, when you look at where a lot of athletes come from, I mean, many athletes, particularly black athletes, they're not coming from a fluent households right they become affluent right but i think that many of them can certainly identify on those days when they grew up in the hood when they saw the police storm through their communities and look at them like they were kind of uh interlopers and that they were policing them and they they said they i bet you every single one of those guys you know lebron growing up in akron you know uh Dwayne, i think he was um chicago chicago um uh, Carmelo growing up in Baltimore, Baltimore Chris Brooklyn, Paul and Winston-Salem. Yeah, and I'm sure every single one of those brothers know what it's like to live in a black community and see the police and how they how they can treat us. Right, and and Chris Paul mentioned that his, I think his father was a policeman. Right. Or, you know, so... Not his father, not his one of his or, uncle, you know, his uncle or something. Right. You know, uncle was a policeman or family member was a policeman. So, and this is the case for a lot of people. A lot of people have... Uh, policemen as family members but we all still understand that as a whole it's there's a problem with with the entire yeah, and system I, and are you a, and I, I mean sort are you a, are you <clears throat> are you a black man or are you a policeman right are you an investment baker or are you a black man I mean, right or and, are you a basketball player or are you a black or man? A black man what 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 are you first right and i think that you know there used to be the conception of the you know, white people always pat you on your back i just i'm a journalist and i just happen to be black Right. I want to strangle motherfuckers who say that. You know what I mean? Right. I, and, but then the white people are, oh, yes, yes, yes. 
Right. That's 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 that's, what, that's that a boy, you know. Right. No, 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 man. And so I, I think that um, this symbolically, because this country is so sports mad. Now, but what I what has to not happen, Jamal, I think is this. You know, once the, particularly the liberal thing, they, they get on this, they could kind of overtake the movement. Now everybody, this is a feel-good moment. You watch, they get, they got a standing ovation, and this is great. Next thing you know, your your, your uh, movement has been uh, hijacked by the well-meaning liberals and all, and that, that it, it it cannot happen. When Pharaoh defines your promised land, you're probably not going to reach it. But that's always a temptation. White people have a very hard time of remaining on the sidelines, you know, and and letting black folks lead this movement. You know, because they always have to, because they, they, they're very powerful. So they, they, you know, Disney. Even by accident. Yeah, yeah, right. they just can't, you know. And there's always temptation to kind of, you know, right. now each of them probably have, you know, the white agents. And, yeah, that was calling to be now Sports Illustrated on the car. And before you know it, this raw, powerful message becomes co-opted in a way that takes white folks off the hook. And you have to understand what did Walter Beach say the other day, or I say I quoted Walter Beach nearly fully. If you don't understand white supremacy and racism and what it works and how it and what it is, everything you do understand will confuse you. Right. Including this moment. Right. Like this is right, it's raw, but now suddenly it becomes co-opted. And now all of a sudden they're white agents are yeah, we gotta put you on the so and so show and this show and and, and and all that. And I and I guess um that may but you have to stay strong and you cannot allow this thing to be you have to continue to um to push and fight and struggle because like somebody said in this speech it's not going to be convenient there are going to be a lot of your white friends or your white agents or whatever if you continue to for example demario right demario davis who played for the you know well, he did our podcast I, I i asked him well man how many black folks does your agent have in his office and, the, and these are the kind of questions, I mean, I think, and you're talking about action. You know, everybody who, let's say you're a professional athlete, or me, or you look, well, if you do have a white agent, how many black folks do they have in their office? And not right. just the black folks who go and run and, and, and get the, but. But the runners, right. Yeah, not the run, but the secretaries, the uh, assistants, your general counsel, your, how many other, black other, folks. Yeah, were, other agents in the, in the firm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and these, and then, and this is uncomfortable because then when you start turning around and not looking outward, but looking in your own operation, in your own shop, your real estate people, your financial people, all your, you look at your team. How many black folks are on your team? And if you if you have white folks, how many black folks on your white and and you know how many black folks work for your white folks? And and these are hard questions. These are hard questions to ask because in many cases they're your friends and they made you a lot of money or they negotiated a deal, particularly some of the bigger agents. And when you start calling on, maybe you may not even have the confidence to call them, oh, come on, uh, you know, John, you know, I mean, you know, and you really have to be strong about this stuff. So the, so the statement is, like Carmel, is just the beginning. Now the next thing is, 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 is action in terms of your own house. How, let's let's link ourselves. Let's all link ourselves in terms of helping ourselves in terms of um, young kids, making young kids, uh, giving young kids internships. Right. If you're in, a, you know, walk through your walk through your team. If you right. play for the Knicks, if you play for the Miami Heat, if you play for the Cleveland, walk through that front office, every floor of the front office. Walk through the uh, the marketing department. Walk through the PR department. 
You know, there are a lot of PR departments, man, in the NBA. There are no black folks. Right. I mean, like, none. <laughs> right. None. Right. Or maybe one who, like, enter. Don't ignore that, you know, because that is all part of this whole, this all part of the power equation. You know what I'm saying? So, so I think, I hope this is a start, but you have to, you know, <laughs> it has to, it, all this stuff starts at home. You know, I, I bring up, you know, you look at the New York Times. You know, when I leave the Times, right, if I would leave today, there would be no black sports writers there. Right. I, I told our executive editor, Dean, this is, this is, this is not acceptable. You know, and I, I told the sports editor, yes, man, this is what, how can you live with yourself? Well, I mean, easy, you can live with myself. You know, but some people can live with themselves, some people cannot. But do you think this is right? And, I, and, 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 you know, so I just think wherever you are, you've got to ask those questions. And it's not going to make you popular. Right. And, but this is not a popularity contest. You know, this is, you know, whether you're Malcolm or Dr. King, this shit ain't a popularity contest. It's, you got to do the right, you got to do the right thing. Right. Right, and I don't, I don't think this is going to make them popular. I think this is, like you said, I think it's a good first step. And I, what we talked about before is it's great uh, when, when guys make individual statements, right. show courage as an individual. They actually got together, so that, you know they, there's some unity here. But yeah. again, what they re, what they did for the most part was call on other people, yeah. and maybe that creates that courage that we were talking about earlier uh, from others. Yeah. So we'll see, but but obviously it's, it's a it's first a good, step. It's again, it's a good. I mean, it's I a good first step. It's, it's a very, it's a very good first step. Uh, a very powerful first step. Like I said, you have to just stay on point, and you cannot allow your movement to right. be co-opted, uh, be right. co-opted and hijacked. Right, and you and you talk about uh, Muhammad Ali and his legacy. He didn't just make one or two statements and then that was it. Like right. he spent his whole life and career like backing it up. Right, you know, he 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 came back time and time again, with right. with statements that challenged authority. That's right. You know? That's right. Every and time, that's you right. couldn't talk to him and have right. and and have that not happen. Yeah, I mean, last well, we won't go down there, but you know, the last time I uh, talked to Ali, this was at the Olympics in 2000. By that time, Parker's really got and I I knew him, but anyway, he asked me when I met we were, you know, I think it was in his hotel room or something, and I went up to him and he said, uh, "What's your what's your name?" And I said, uh, Bill Rudd, no, no, what's your real name? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I did the same thing because right, right. I think we always have to keep people, you know, right. black people on point. Whether sometimes, you know, when you're ordering Starbucks and, right. the, and the girl says, what's your name? And I said, I don't know. You know, <laughs> I just say, just X. Right, you right, know? right. And they kind of, when they get it, you know, they say, what do you mean? Well, you, you, you know that right. they erased our whole, it's like you take a disc or something. They erase everything. They erase memory of our past. They erased our music. They erased everything. They gave us names. They said, well, who is, one woman asked me, well, well, what do you mean? Well, who is my name? Johnson. That's not your name. That right. was like probably your, the owner's name. Right. Your name was probably, right. you know, something either from the East Coast, the West Coast of Africa, but right. it wasn't Johnson. Right, right. I'm not from Ireland. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So with that, but I mean, but so anyway, listen, man. This is, I think, Jamal. This was really good. I'm, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad that John Skipper. Uh, and, and like you said, there, you know, our survival in in the in the country. I mean, there have to be along the way people who are not black who were sympathetic or whatever. Because if course. it wasn't, we wouldn't. I right. mean, you know, we wouldn't be. You right. know, so there are always other people who understood that that that. The America, the United States that people signed up for, is not the America that has p- 
policemen murdering black people or 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 Sheriff John Clark, you know, Sheriff, uh, you know, Jim Clark uh, running down black folks on, on Pettus Norman Bridge. I mean, you know, right. that's not right. what people signed up. Right. For. Right. Or uh, President Trump. Nobody yeah. signed up for that. Nobody we'll see. But I, we'll see. I don't think uh, that's what we signed up for yeah, or no. most most yeah. people in America signed up for. Right. Yeah. Or will sign up for. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we'll, I we'll could see. be wrong, but I think you're we'll right. We'll see. Yeah. Hey, but this is great, man. This was, a, I think, it's a very powerful way to um, uh, to end the uh, in the podcast. And you've got um, yeah. Uh, tell people that they again, they again, uh, follow us on Twitter at Bros Pod, uh, on Instagram at Bros Pod, on Facebook Bros Pod. Uh, comment. Tell us who you like to have on the show. You know, keep it interactive. We'll definitely, we're definitely all ears. Mm-hmm. And when you're listening on iTunes or SoundCloud, rate the show. Uh, comment in the comments section, and uh, you know to help to help uh, help grow the show with us because we, right. we you know we talk about real issues here on yeah. Bill Roden on sports. That's right. Uh, well, good night, everybody. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.